This week's topic is something very close to me and is literally what I do for a living. And it defines a lot of my purpose on how I try to contribute on a daily basis to society. It's about learning and growth. We always learn at any point in our lives from various sources, be it formal or informal. But how we learn never stays the same. And this affects the education system and platforms that support it. And one thing that is apparent as the world advances, our known methods of educating and learning may really be going out of style. Hani Kunyawan, an award-winning Indonesian author, educator, and global HR executive who specializes in talent management, career management, leadership development, and cross-cultural management, joins me this time as we explore how are learners' behaviors shifting in the 21st century. We started by talking about how both of us view learning and how education, not training, plays a crucial role in providing a framework for growth. We spend some time understanding how learners' behaviors have changed in the new age of information abundance, digitalization, and how learning tools will need to strike a balance in providing on-time learning without discarding the time-proven validated growth. Uh, what struck us both most during this conversation was reaching the realization that we are all both educators and learners, but most importantly, the responsibility we hold for being that. Have a listen. All right. And we're back with the 14th episode. And uh, this time around, I'm not going so far away from uh, home. I'm actually speaking to someone who's in Hong Kong. And we are sort of in the same time zone because I remember like a few years back, uh, Mahathir Muhammad decided to align our time zone to Hong Kong's time zone because we all need to be on early time. So <laughs> I'm talking to Handi, Handi Kurniawan, who's actually award-winning Indonesian author, educator, global HR executive, and he specializes in talent management, career management, leadership development, and cross-cultural management. And also, I read in his profile that he has a huge passion for education. Hi, Handy. Hello, Nidhiyas. Good to see you. Good to see you, Handy. So, Handy, let me start with that part because uh, that caught me when I, I was looking at your profile. Um, education. That's something hmm. that is mentioned quite a bit. And also you um, you have a master's in educational studies. So my yeah. question is, that's typically a very uh, giving profession that anybody would want to go into. And hmm. unless you're a very giving soul as well, that you would go into education because it's all about adding more value to everybody in society. Hmm. My question is, why did you choose to go into that? Uh, well, you really uh, hit me in the spot, I guess. And uh, I didn't realize it at the beginning, but uh, I think if you want to understand someone's accomplishment or passion, I think it's good to understand the their upbringing. Mm. So the story was, uh, actually, I, I came from a family. My parents, they never asked me about uh, how am I doing, how, how am I doing at school? Mm-hmm. So, and then the larger family, they actually didn't really care about education, frankly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so most, if not all of uh, my family members or relatives, they went straight to the business. Mm. So some uh, finished their bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents didn't have a high degree. I think mm. the, the highest degree they got uh, was... Uh, senior high school mm. 
or junior high school even. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I I grew up uh, basically. I went to school, but mm-hmm. didn't really have motivation mm-hmm. until. So this is the turning point. Mm-hmm. Uh, until my when my parents' business was having a deep trouble. I see. So they used to have a quite successful mom and mom and pop shop, mm-hmm. uh, and then. They went. The business went bankrupt. During the situation, I realized because uh, for the first time in my life that education is something that going to liberate me. Mm. And uh, unlike people who are living in advanced country, Nigesh, mm-hmm. uh, in Indonesia, maybe I'm not sure about Malaysia. In Indonesia, education is privilege, you know. Mm. And I I felt that privilege because I almost could not enter university because of financial condition. Right. Yeah. So uh, for the first time in my life, when I went to senior high school, I the reason I chose that high school because they had exchange students program. Mm. I really want to go overseas free, you know. Right. Because at the time I didn't yeah. have money. Right. So I choose a senior high school that have exchange students for a month mm-hmm. and I have to fight to get it and then mm. I got it. Mm. So I went to Perth, Australia. That was the first overseas country that I've been to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, long story short, I got into local university in, mm-hmm. in Indonesia. It's mm-hmm. one of the cheapest mm. in Indonesia. I, I I wasn't very proud of my local university until recently, actually. So this mm. is interesting. Until recently, okay. I found out that one of the co-founder of Tokopedia, mm-hmm. which is going to be valued and which is going to be merged with Gojek and their mm. valuation will be something around $40 billion or something. Wow. Okay. It's also gra- graduated from my university. Ah. Oh, I said, wow. It's, it's amazing that my local university can also produce this kind of people, right? Mm. Then long story short, I value education. Mm. And after finishing my bachelor degree, then I continue to pursue, uh, I, I work definitely immediately. Mm. And then every five years, I went to uh, a graduate school. So I took MBA mm-hmm. from University of Western Australia. And then five years later, I got scholarship in mm. in Hawaii, mm. sort of postgraduate diploma. Mm-hmm. And then another five years, I went for my second master. I went to University of Michigan, right, uh, in the school of education. Uh, wow, uh, you just made me feel really because <laughs> <laughs> you now have. Uh, and is it a five-year goal that every five years you got to do something? Uh, not really. It was not really. actually it, it was unconscious. Every five right. years, then I get bored. Right. You keep working, right? You keep right. working, and then I think for me, yeah, I think that's why every people is different. For mm-hmm. me, every five years, I just feel that I need to really learn something more systematically. Mm. Right. Okay. And we're, we're going to come back to what you just mentioned, because I think this conversation is going to go down that road because mm. um, like on my end of things, 
this is why I said that you made me feel like really well, what am I doing in my life? Because I've, <laughs> I've had my, my, my graduate education, uh, but yeah. I've not done any other formal education from that point on. But, but we'll come yeah. back to that in a, in a bit because you mentioned something really important at the beginning, hmm. the, the crucible moment that you had, the hmm. one that, that jogged you to say that, you know what, I want to hmm. get into education. Um, and we all have this term that we say education is the greatest enabler of any society. Mm. It's a great uplifter of society, right? But mm. there is an argument here, or there's a thought that I have. Mm. Education mm. is systematic. Education mm. is a system. It's a process mm. that people put mm. into place or society or countries put into place. Mm. But there's the other corner of it, right? Which is mm. the learner and mm. the learning with mm. the education system. Mm. So my question here to you would be, in your view, mm. right, how do you actually view the process of learning? Not education, mm. but the process of learning. What mm. we do with it. How do you view that? I really see this from multiple dimensions, I guess. Mm. Uh, so my love of education actually has made me into my current role and profession, actually. So... In my company now, I'm the head of learning and development. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for more than 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Before that, I was a finance guy. Mm -hmm. uh, so the process of learning and learner itself. So my mindset before I went into school of education is really actually corporate learning. So the way I think about learning mm -hmm. is from the lens of corporation. Right, right which is number one, to align with the company's goal. Yes. To align with the uh, company strategy. And then the thirdly is always about return on investment. Mm. After I attend the School of Education at the mm. at University of Michigan, mm. I have to be very frankly with you because uh, this is another transformational thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The reason why I went to the uh, School of Education mm -hmm. and my major at the time was uh, new media and new literacy, which primarily digital media is because I want to find a business opportunity there. Right, okay. But the 80% education is about equality Mm -hmm. justice mm -hmm. and creating opportunity for everyone right so that is that is really transformational thinking for me so mm -hmm. that helped me to to think in much broader way about mm -hmm. learning about education now mm -hmm. when you ask me about learning and the learning process mm -hmm. i think we need to separate between the learning and learning process in a company mm -hmm and the learning process as an overall or as part of the whole education system. Mm -hmm. uh, so it depends on where are we going to, to talk about this, you know? Right. Maybe we'll explore both because um, I think we both kind of hmm. had the experience of both sides of the coin, hmm. but we kind of approached it in a diff different manner because like uh, right now where I am, I, I work with Leadernomics. I work yeah. with Digital. So mm. it's enablement of learning and engagement for people. But you're right with a corporate lens, mm. right? A corporate lens. And I completely agree with you. A corporate lens of learning is always driven by business objectives. It's right. always driven by 
the bottom line because ultimately if a business is going to spend money on people it's not for the sake of societal uplift it's not it's for the business and company's uplift itself but on the other side of the coin i've actually been a lecturer in taylor's university right so oh, awesome i i felt the difference there because there it's engaging with the students knowing that okay my my pure objective here the objective for the students here is not towards a company's bottom line it's mm. for their own development right for them to be better individuals in society for mm. them to be able to take this knowledge that they are learning and really contributing back to the society in their own way whenever they can mm. right so that in itself i think you're really correct mm. dictates how learning actually happens in both of these mediums Hmm. right hmm. because one is very objective driven towards a bottom line another one is driven towards really societal uplift what do you think defines corporate learning like what is the styles that happens or, or what is the main focus of how a learner actually learns when they are doing corporate learning hmm. and then maybe what's the difference between hmm. that and when a learner actually learns for themselves excellent question right so and first of all talking about the terminology mm. uh why we differentiate between when we study in a university or school is education mm. when we finish the university we go to we work for a company and then it, we call it training we don't call it education anymore huh. right good point good point yeah. actually never said that way. yeah you're right yeah yeah and uh Uh no I I also reflect this because mm. uh I I've been always been a corporate and I went to the school of education it changed my thinking changed mm-hmm. the way I look at education overall and learning mm-hmm. but uh let's address your question so mm. learning and uh the learning process in the company mm. right so learning in a company so first of all the goal as we just talk about right mm. Uh, aligned to company goals, aligned to company strategy, and basically the main objective of the corporate learning is to improve the knowledge and skills of employees, of mm-hmm. people, professional within the company to make the company better. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what are the learning within the company? The learning within company uh, just to... I would see it in a, in a two broad ways. One okay. is in general the the soft skills, all the soft skills, leadership, uh, presentation skills, negotiation skills and everything basically mm-hmm. to improve the soft skill of the people mm-hmm. to make them better so mm-hmm. that they the company can progress. And the other technical technical things in a company depending on the industry, right? Mm-hmm. If you are in hospitality industry, that means that uh, all about uh, become a better frontliners, become mm. a better restaurant manager. If you are in aviation, then all the engineering and all that, right? Mm. Uh, so depend depending on the industry. Mm. And um, normally in the company, I think the, there is a similarity between learning in a company and also education as a whole. Mm. That is, it's still a privilege, Nigesh. <laughs> in a company, it's still a privilege. Yeah. Not everybody can get the training, yeah. right? I'm yeah. managing the yeah. training um, in 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 my company. Mm. Again, 
those who get the high quality leadership training, for example, are those are privileged people that we call talent. Mm. And the technical training uh, in general have the accessibility is better mm. for, for people, but again, very specific. Mm. Yeah, mm. so that's mm. the learning in the company. What about the education system? Education system, definitely, no doubt, unless you live in Sweden, Norway, Finland, that education is free mm. until even PhD level, right? Mm -hmm. But if you live in Indonesia, Malaysia, Southeast Asia in general, or Asia in general, mm. it is a privilege, certainly. Mm. Mm, mm. High quality education is still a privilege. Mm. If we talk about US, mm -hmm. now it's all also opened my eyes. There is really a privilege, you yeah. know, people who yeah. can go to the private school, to the um, high quality state school. Mm. Education is still privileged. That's why government, every country, wants to promote high quality education for everyone. You you kind of mention a, a sort of a philosophical problem over there, which mm. I grapple with a lot. And this mm. is something I, I with the line of work that I do, and even when I was teaching at uh, in Taylor's, mm. and even before this, I was actually an engineer as well, working mm. as an engineer in a company. So mm. I grappled with this philosophical problem where, when we say these the difference between soft skills and functional skills, and mm. I see this problem appear in both, whether it's mm. corporate or whether in education. Mm we tend to focus a lot on the functional one. And you just said it, the functional skills training or learning is the most accessible one. Is the one that mm. either, if you're gonna to go to university, what are you gonna see? You're gonna see school of business, you're gonna see school of engineering, school of mm. science, so on and so forth. Right. All very functional. That is, mm. creates accessibility. When you go into mm. a company, what is your onboarding? What is your on-job training? It's all these mm. very functional ones that becomes accessible to everybody and everyone has to go through it because the company or the education system, which is feeding the company says that these are the skills that is going to be needed for you to actually do your job at the company and contribute mm. to the company. Correct. But the philosophical problem comes here. The mm. soft skills is what teaches you how do you apply that skill well, mm. right? You may be Correct. an expert, let's say an expert in, um, mm. and I've seen this, this is personal experience with my company as well. Mm. At one point I was managing a team which mm. were called the rejects. Mm. Unfortunately, they were called the rejects. They're called the rejects not because they were not good at their job. Mm. They were actually the most senior, most expert people in their job. Mm. They were called the rejects because of bad attitude. Mm. And that's the missing piece, which is this soft skill thing, which, mm we say, uh, and you say, because it's a privilege, it's, it's not cheap, right? Mm. And accessibility is not easy as well. Mm. You don't go into a university and see a school of leadership. Mm. You don't see That's that, right? right? Yeah. If you exactly. want to do something like that, it's either going to be someone external coming in to provide that, or you yourself mm. go find someone external, and those are not cheap. That's right. And unlike um, the schooling <laughs> system, the education system, or the corporate system, where there is someone to back you by funding, either the corporates mm. are funding your, your OJT training or you get scholarships to go into educational schools. You don't have yeah. that for this soft skill component of it. So mm. there's a little bit of this philosophical problem between that um, having the soft skill which teaches you how to apply that functional mm. skills. Mm. So maybe my question to you here mm. in this would be, have you 
found a way in your time, right? Mm. Because you've done both. Mm. You've done mm-hmm. the full education system, the corporate as well. Mm. How can we start bridging this mm. in a manner which everybody now has access to both types of trainings? Uh, I think fortunately that the learning itself has been accelerated by digital. Mm. I think that's just the, that's just the, the reality. Mm. So if before the COVID, mm-hmm. we are still arguing that uh, digital learning doesn't work, mm-hmm. uh, uh, learning retention is bad, mm. uh, technology is bad, mm. bad network, bad, 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 mm-hmm. all this and that, right? With COVID, then everybody is being pushed to use it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody is being, have to be adaptive to it. We're doing it right so, now. <laughs> We, we are doing it right now, right, yeah. uh, guess. And uh, I, it's interesting. I listened to the uh, podcast by Indonesian President Joko Widodo and mm. the Minister of Education the mm. other day, mm-hmm. because recently, 2nd of May, which is not long ago, is mm-hmm. the uh, Hari Pendidik- Pendidikan Nasional Indonesia or Indonesia right. National Day. Right. And I, I listened and I was... Um, mesmerized by their conversation because mm-hmm. the current Minister of Education of Indonesia mm-hmm. is the founder of Gojek. Mm. Right? right? So he's right. from the business. <laughs> he's right. a business guy who successfully uh, did their his startup, mm-hmm. Gojek, mm-hmm. and then become Minister of Education. Mm. So he is very how to say, transform, transformative in their thinking, right. in his thinking. And mm-hmm. what he shared is, now they realize there are a lot of gaps in education. Mm-hmm. When this thing happened, then they realized that there are so many areas in Indonesia, for example, that they don't even have access to internet. Mm. Not to mention the digital gap that everybody mm. talk about. Mm-hmm. The digital gap normally referred to, uh, you have internet, you have internet, you have the connection and all that, but you don't know how to use it, right? right? There's something about generational gap yeah. here yeah. as well. That's yeah. the digital gap. Mm-hmm. But now there's a fundamental problem and underlying problem even, even before we, 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 we say, about the, the digital gap. Human can really learn when there is really personal connection, mm. in my opinion. Right. And I've seen this in, uh, in our training programs here in my company. Mm. Everybody miss the face-to-face interaction Mm-mm-mm-mm. because it's just different, you know? Yeah. Even school kids now, uh, they miss their school. In the past, everybody hates school. Right? Everybody, everybody hates going to school. Yeah. Now everybody's like, oh, I miss my friend. I miss my desk. You know. Yeah. Before we before the session, we talk, we talk about oh my god, not again, right? Yeah, not again, another lockdown. Yeah, not, not again, another lockdown. So yeah, I think digital is 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 one of the best ways that we have so far mm-hmm. but uh, another thing the bridge is of course like giving on the job 
experience to mm. the to the students to the mm. company so mm. that uh, they are more ready to to work in mm. a company or something like that and you touched on something that i believe in very very much so as well like mm. it's great to have great educational processes it's great mm. to have great educational solutions but the one key enabler which will allow these to move forward is infrastructure mm. but here's a question Hmm. I think, uh, and I'm assuming that we both came from sort of the the same generation where hmm. our education was, our, our formal education is, yep, you reach a certain age, you're gonna go to school, and when you go to school, you got these hmm. textbooks that you take to school, hmm. and then you have your teachers who are gonna teach you, and you go through that process, you have a test at the end of the whole thing, so hmm. on and so forth. That's that formal education that we went through. So, I don't know if it was the uh, same for you, but my experience of it was. Hmm. I call myself lucky because I'm a curious mm. person. But then things have changed. Mm. You know, accessibility to things. Uh, you were just talking about digital and the internet and all that. Accessibility mm. to information and content has, has just exploded. Mm. Right? Especially not very long in this, probably in the last 10 years. Mm. So I wanted to ask you, Hmm. What were what are your observations of how a learner, that means hmm. you or me, have changed from hmm. the time that we were learning to hmm. now we have hmm. kids who are coming into the schooling system, we have kids going into university, we even can see them coming into the workforce as well. Hmm. How is their learning shifting? How do, are they preferring to learn compared to when we hmm. were learning? I would like to see it again from this perspective. There's always good and bad. Mm-hmm. In the past, uh, Nigesh, what you and I learn mm-hmm. are limited with limited uh, materials or resources, Correct. right? Yeah. So the good thing about it, there's still good thing about it. The good thing about it is I would, I tend to believe that in the past, uh, we are sort of like forced to learn something that is uh, more proven. I think the quality, I mean, mm. in my opinion, high quality content um, mm-hmm. have to be produced by mm. someone who really have authoritative um, mastery or content mm. or whatever, mm. you know. Mm. Not everyone, not everyone can really write books or yeah. content post content and all that, yeah, run, correct, right? Correct, correct. So you need to have certain qualification, then you can share your knowledge and then that knowledge is being consumed. Mm. Yeah, so that's the good thing. The bad thing about it is that the, it seems like we are forced to learn from limited authoritative figures, Yeah. right? Yeah. So everybody know, like if you if you and I go to business school, for example, everybody have to learn from Michael Porter. <laughs> everybody have to learn from Philip Kotler. Yes, yes. Right. Uh, so that's the good thing, and then that's the bad thing. Mm. Right now, the challenge is different. The challenge now, as you said, there are explosion of materials out there. Mm. Explosion of material. The challenge nowadays is. We actually don't know which one is good, which one is bad. Mm, mm, mm. Some are good, some are rubbish, mm, mm, right? That's mm. the, that's just the reality, right? Mm. So, uh, quoting 
a futurist at that time, Alvin Totler, saying mm. that uh, the challenge of 21st century, the challenge of 20th century, I think, is mm. not someone who can uh, write or read, but mm. those who cannot learn, relearn, and unlearn, right? Mm. Okay. I think now it is even more challenging because I think the it is important that the learners today need to have the ability to distill good content and bad content. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, the depth, the depth of the knowledge itself. Mm -hmm. Now, people love to read uh, 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 a short post, Twitter, mm -hmm. yeah. Instagram post, yeah. right? Which is yeah. very like this, you know, yeah, exactly. compared to one book, yeah. right? And uh, also need to distill that, and then yeah, the the depth, and then it's just it's just different, and then to differentiate between who say the right thing, who said the wrong thing. I think yeah. uh, this is the challenge of of uh, learners today. Yeah, I, I I agree with that because you you hit something very important that most of the educational books that we got back then. Um, yeah, you you have to be an authoritative figure to actually yeah. write that. But the yeah. knowledge that is in there has actually gone through not just a hypothetical study or a theoretical study. It's gone through multiple peer reviews and different exactly. types of peer reviews before it's even in your hand learning about it. So yeah. you you had a safe enough assumption that what you're learning has been in some way proven. So yeah. you feel safe enough to consuming it. and. Yeah we are used to looking at those thick books. And I remember if you see that rack behind me, actually some of my- <laughs> What is that? <laughs> all my engineering books and notes and everything all in there actually. I keep yeah. them because it reminds me of uh, taking the time to learn hmm. and taking the time to actually see what I'm or who I'm learning from. Because we see exactly. the citations, we see um, who actually or where was it referred from. And then that leads yeah. another journey to actually look at yeah. that content citation. And you're very right. What has happened right now is everybody can put something up. Exactly. And you don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing. Yeah. And because everyone is in a rush and everyone feels that this is the habitual way to learn, no one spends the time to actually see where exactly is this content coming from. The danger and the danger of this is those who have the most followers, those who have the loudest voice mm -hmm. have the authority now. Exactly, and not necessarily they're right, you know. That's yeah. that's really that's really the danger uh, in this uh, in this current uh, learning environment. Exactly, exactly. I, I pointed two examples, and one of it was actually a video I just watched today morning. Um, mm. The first example was what happened in Myanmar. Mm. What happened in Myanmar, and I'm not talking about the um, I'm not talking about what's going on right now. Mm. Uh, even though right now I, I do have friends who are there who from off and on, I get some news and it's it really terrible, whatever is happening there. It's, it's literally human human rights is out the window over there. Mm. But what I was pointing at is the whole Rohingya issue mm. that happened, mm. right? Mm. And it all mm. it took, you said it right, it took one mm. voice, one loud mm. voice for, mm. ev for that person to put it up on a space, which mm. unfortunately the society in uh, Myanmar counts as the new spot. Mm. It surprised me when I saw when I read about mm. that, where the society in Myanmar counts Facebook as a mm. news spot, as mm. a legitimate news spot, mm. while we mm. view it as social media means that it's people right. putting up their own opinions. 
There they yeah. view it as a new spot. And it took just one very loud voice to mm. continuously put up this rhetoric. Mm. Mm. And then everyone just turned on the, the Rohingya population. That's one. Yeah. Second one was... And I was I was talking to to about this to actually one of my uh, one of my team members today morning. Mm. I watched this video, and this video mm. was talking about what is really the issue with self help. Why are people following it so much, and what mm. are they really getting out of it? Mm. And I started understanding that look, they need to make a living as well, mm. Mm. right? Uh, and what they are trying to do is tell you this is where you can understand something. But mm. it doesn't tell you this is how you can learn better and become better. Mm. So it creates that want. It mm. creates that loud voice which you're going to gravitate towards. Correct. Whether it's the absolute right thing for you or not, mm. we don't know. That's right. Right? We don't know. But people tend to gravitate towards that. And they feel that that's the best way for them to learn. Mm. And, and, and that's a little bit of the trouble right there. And, and also then there is, of course, the, the study of how our attention span is getting lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser right. and lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you, do you see that? Like, especially because you're, you're doing learning and development in, in yeah. the place you're working at. Do you see yeah. that people's attention span is getting... Oh, so- yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we see this. Uh, if in the past, probably people can um, still pay attention for two hours, then they just do one hours. Mm. Then I, if, when I read the, the TED Talk book, mm-hmm. uh, the author there said that the, according to the research, people can only pay attention for 18 minutes. That's why every TED Talk is only 18 minutes, right? Right. And then now I also start to read that people attention getting lesser to 10 minutes to five minutes. And then every, uh, you know, every bite-sized video is only like two minutes. Yeah. Sometimes two minutes is considered very long. Uh, there was so, a study, I forgot where was this, <laughs> but I read a recent study as well, uh, peer reviewed and mentioned that, okay, there is standard attention time and there is absolute retentive attention time. Hmm which is your mind is completely focused. Hmm. And the number that came out there was our attention, our absolute attention span is actually lesser than goldfish. Right now, <laughs> unfortunately. So maybe my question is this, uh, mm. how do you grapple with that? How do you, how do you work with that? For me, then in my role as the head of learning and development, then uh, we also need to be adaptive to this, mm. right? By uh, we provide Number one, different learning modalities. Okay. Yeah, that's number one. So some people can learn better in person. Some people can learn better in virtual. In mm. virtual, how many, how long? Mm. Uh, with uh, and then we also the way we deliver our learning programs, and mm. we learn from various learning partners. Mm. So we have the classic residential program, for example. Right. And secondly, we also have the virtual learning. Mm. Within virtual learning, we also have a combination between like two days learning, one day learning, even now bite-sized learning. Mm. So you learn uh, uh, shorter, but Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. So bite-sized learning. And then we also have a fully virtual learning. So Mm. now we we provide uh, different 
learning modalities, different learning deliveries for different types of of learners. But mm, mm. again, the spirit the spirit here in the company is we also want to provide high quality learning for everyone. I, I kind of see where the modality of learning is going to, and I think you will understand this term when I say it because you did education. Um, mm. Cobb's learning cycle. Essentially, it's creating different. Uh, you're seeing learning as a cycle of four different mm. spaces, and these mm. four different spaces actually provides different types of interventions for different types of personalities. Because mm. some people need a lot more um, explanation, need mm. a lot more justification. Mm. Some people are more imaginative, so they need mm. they need something to spark their mind for imagining solutions. Some mm. people are more discussive, so they need to actually have the social interaction in order for the mm. learning to actually happen. And mm. some people are more doers, so they need to actually do, mm. get their hands in there, mm. actually do mm. it so that they actually can get better at it. Now, it's not to say that you pocket people into these four things, but mm. everyone has a, a bigger inclination towards one of it, but everyone should also go through all four of it. Yeah, mm. and and we see that we see that happening with, um, especially now that we are moving more into digital. Like mm. uh, I think you, especially being in companies, uh, people come to you and say that, look, I've got this learning management system, I've got this learning mm. software, and the first mm. iterations and versions of that were learning software is filled with learning content. Mm. But it, that question comes into your head. You look at it and like, what do I do with this? Exactly. Right, it, it's no, just it's, a, it's abundant. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it's it's like a. I liken this to a, to you walking into a library, which mm. has no indications of yeah. what book is where and no librarian. That's the I like that version. analogy. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah, that's the first version of it. But now it's moved on and it's becoming a lot more advanced. And people, the 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 buzzword is social learning. Maybe my question here to you is this: like. There are certain things that we need to, as a society, as companies, as governments, put into mm. place to actually help education and learning move forward. Mm. What do you think are those things? What are the key things? Maybe not mm. everything, but key things that need to be done right now. This is what I learned from the School of Education, mm. which I think still relevant until now, until the situation. Uh, what is the most important? What are the most important thing in education? Number one, the quality of teachers. Mm. Number two is the quality of the content and material. Mm. And then basically, building and facilities is always the lowest. Mm. It it actually has always been the lowest building. Right. You know, building beautiful uh, school facilities. That's the lowest in education. Mm. But number one is the quality of teachers. This pandemic show us that there are a lot of teachers that need to be upskill and reskill before right. they teach the students. You know, right, right. So uh, number one in broad is to upskill and reskill our teachers, mm -hmm. and that cut across in formal education and informal education. Mm. Right, upskill and reskill, including their ability to navigate with the technology, mm. right? Mm. And that leads to uh, number two mm -hmm. is the technology itself. Mm. Again, there's explosion of technology platform that they are, that we are using mm. right now. Mm. 
the choice of technology is important if we want to talk about uh, giving high quality education for everyone because the reality is not everyone can use certain technology mm. now zoom for example yeah. uh, we are very familiar because we are professional right in, mm -hmm. in general right mm -hmm. but if you ask my mom to use zoom right i don't right. think she can use it she can use whatsapp whatsapp video call right mm. Mm. youtube probably is easier but again the choice of technology is is very important and then mm. Thirdly, I think what is most important for government, for the rest to, to progress our education is to really, I think, to allow creativity to keep going mm -hmm. and to provide incentive of people to learn, to create a culture of learning because mm -hmm. the culture of learning itself is something that you cannot take it for granted. How does one create a culture of learning if you imagine um there is no chance for people to do dialogue right if people just want to insert communication one way right then there is no education there you know mm. there is no education there so i think if we are able to create an environment for dialogue mm -hmm. it's one of the good ways for people to learn mm. i can talk about it from a experience standpoint and also from a, a sort of education study standpoint and the education study standpoint is uh, for those of y'all listening in i would actually uh, recommend that you go and look up these concepts that we're talking about uh bloom's taxonomy Mm, yeah. Right in Bloom's taxonomy, we talk about people going through the phase, the the three main phases of building awareness, building some sort of practitioner practitionership or practice, mm. and then your expertise. But when you break that down even further, there's sort of six sub stages that you go mm. through. And when you're building awareness, that's where you build knowledge and comprehension. So that's where that's right. where it could possibly be one way because you're either reading a book, you're watching somebody, you're that's just right. gaining understanding of that thing. But the instant yeah. you start going into practitionership or practice, yeah. that is where uh, this next buzzword, experiential learning comes into play. That, that whole thing where you experience what you're doing, therefore you learn. Mm. Now think about, if we all think about that for a short while, how do we experience it by doing? Are we doing it in isolation? No, we're doing it with people. And that's where the interaction starts happening. And then when you move up, and you go towards that, that expertise component, uh, there's the term of uh, synthesis that comes into play there. And the, the real key word there is, how do you communicate what you've learned to others? And that's where you build the final expertise. Mm. It's not just mm. you've learned and you're great mm. at doing it and you practice, practice, practice. The final expertise comes when you communicate to others, when you talk to others, when you discuss with others, and when you educate others as well. So I, I agree with you very strongly with that one where when you want to build a culture of learning, it's not just a case of one-way learning. It's a case of how do you share that learning and how hmm. everyone is empowered to share that learning. Looking at the quote here by Confucius who hmm. lived maybe more than 2,000 years ago, right? Hmm. So he said this, tell me and I will forget. 
show me and I may remember. Mm-hmm. Involve me and I will understand. Involve mm-hmm. me is experiential learning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we we understand this that uh, and Confucius just get it right from 2000 years ago. 2000 years ago, exactly. <laughs> so bottom line that we're trying to say here is none of this is new science. Someone has talked about it. It's just we are rediscovering how to do this. Like you say, <laughs> learn, unlearn, relearn. <laughs> That's right. Right? That's right. Um, and I want to pull this question actually from uh, Sashi. So for all our listeners out there, you know that we have a producer who's on the back and he usually sometimes enjoys this conversation that I have with the many, many guests that we get on Talk To Me. Mm. And he kind of had this question and I want to pull this question up. So you mentioned just now that um, this explosion of content, we really don't know what is good content and what is rubbish content anymore. So that's mm. the case right now. So probably in your mind, how can one start differentiating in this new age we're living in? Because this mm. is our reality right now, right? Mm. How can one start differentiating between good content mm. and rubbish content? In short, it's critical thinking. Mm. And that is why the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. uh, mentioned in one of the 10 skills that is needed in 2025. Mm-hmm. Eight are about soft skills, mm-hmm. only two about technology, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. And one of the 10 skills needed is critical thinking. Right. And then let me be very specific here so that it's not philosophical. Mm-hmm. This is my tips for every learners to uh, to execute their or to practice their critical thinking to differentiate between good content and rubbish content, mm-hmm. right? So number one, see who's writing it. What's mm-hmm. the qualification of this writer or author mm-hmm. or speaker, mm-hmm. right? Because it can be written or it can be oral. Mm-hmm. So who is speaking or who is writing this, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. number one, it's very important. Number two, you need to exercise wisdom in it. Mm-hmm. So is this uh, informational or is this provocative thing, for example? Okay. So, so uh, is there any hidden message? For example, even, even he is the expert in his field, but nowadays people can be endorser or of certain mm. things, you know, mm-hmm. product, mm. services, you yeah. know. Yeah. It could be endorsed, you know. Yeah, right. Speaker right. or writer have hidden message to insert mm. this mm. message. Mm. Yeah. So who's right who's writing it or who's speaking about it? Uh, what is the content? What is the content? Is there any hidden message behind it? Mm. And then thirdly, is this informational? Is this provocative? Uh, what is the writer or speaker asked you to do? Right. Uh, is this for a good thing or is it the bad thing? You know. Mm. And lastly, uh, is there any backup data? Mm. Of course, we are not talking about the uh, scientific journal here that is mm-hmm. peer reviewed and all that, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. most of the posts that we have have no basis. Mm. But uh, if there are backup data, 
or evidence mm-hmm. than something that you can that you can think think about. Mm. Now mm. it's just so example of uh, of exercise of um, exercising your critical thinking when you absorb knowledge or information. That practice of doing whatever you suggested right now. Also, if you practice that while you learn, you will practice that while you live as well. Right. So exactly. every day when you move, you will also start thinking about these things. If someone comes to you and converses with you, you're going to think about it critically as well. You're not just going to take it for face value. Yeah. You're going to ask these questions yeah. like, okay, where's the source of information coming from? Um, is this validated? Yeah. Um, so that you don't yeah. jump to conclusions and make assumptions. So I think that's, that's, that's a right. really good advice over there that you, you gave. Um, so I'm looking at the clock. We got to sort of wind down the conversation already. And unfortunately, this is why I always face this trouble whenever I do this podcast. <laughs> good conversations, but time is not the permitter at the moment. This conversation can go on and on. And I think that I definitely will get you back again for, mm. for talk to me um, to actually go deeper into maybe some, some bits that we've talked about today. But I've got this last one for you mm. where we've been talking so much or a lot about learners and the education system but what about the educators uh, i think we discussed uh, briefly about it so as an educator we need to continuously upskill and reskill ourselves mm. that's for sure mm. with the new knowledge with the new everything mm-hmm. technology for example right we need to continuously upskill and reskill ourselves as as an educator mm. And I think, and uh, I, I heard it, and I'm I'm so impressed by it. Mm. When you are an educator, mm-hmm. you are not just imparting knowledge or mm-hmm. skills mm-hmm. because whatever you do, you will impact someone's life, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure you and I experience uh, great teachers in our life yeah. uh, that can uh, make us as we are today, yeah. right? Either yeah. from formal education or informal education. Mm. Uh, I heard this, that educator is the architect of life. Mm. I think it's beautiful, you know. Mm. Educator is architect of life. Mm-hmm. Because if you teach something wrong to your mm-hmm. students, mm-hmm. let's say terrorists, right? Mm. Terrorist is also mm. <laughs> educator, yeah, yeah, yeah. correct? You're right. <laughs> in, right. A, in a provocative ways, yeah. Right. So you either build up or you destroy people. That's why mm. educator is architect of life, and and mm. and as an architect of life, you have this responsibility to upgrade yourself and mm-hmm. to say something that is true, that is useful for the society. When you said that, something came into my mind actually two things that came into my mind the first thing was every time i do a training session for Mm. either face-to-face crowd or either virtual i usually end with this one line and i I mean it truthfully and this line i i say is i hope you learned as much from me as i've learned from you beautiful Beautiful. because i I truly believe that because you're Mm. right as educators when we're doing it we're also learning at the same time because that feedback that we get from from everybody as they learn something also teaches us, are we doing this right? Are we helping them the right way? Back to what you said about us being the architect of life. Hmm. So we also need to learn how we're doing the right thing. Exactly. Right? And the second thing is, 
actually a plea to everybody who's listening right now because mm. Andy when you said it it kind of struck me the conversation we had so far and we mentioned about how everybody now has the capability of sharing information whether mm. it is um validated or not that's so right. one way some way or form every one of us are becoming educators that's right exactly and therefore the plea is every one of us is responsible in the creation of life the yes. architect of somebody's life especially with social media and all that right now the way one person can so quickly become an influencer yeah. that that loudest voice like you mentioned the last time yeah. that loudest voice correct you're impacting life with what you say with what yeah. you do with what yeah. you show to people mm-hmm. through variety of platforms social media and all that I think that's that's an important message right there and I think we've got to now reach the wrap up point of the uh podcast and honey usually at this point I I I sort of give room to the person I'm talking to to sort of hmm. this is your time to plug this is your time to uh do a quick mention of anything important that is happening to you right now which you want the listeners to know and perhaps if there's a way to engage with you I think that uh, we are living in a very accelerating way we are talking about learning so first of all uh, it's very important to continue to learn regardless of the sources but again exercise your critical thinking because uh, that is important and for educator as we mentioned just now uh, Nigesh uh, educator is architect of life so uh, I hope that you can help to build people and not to destroy people. Thank you so much Handy. This was a great conversation. Again, I wish that time was always permitting for us, but unfortunately we got to keep it to an hour, but that's the advantage. I can have you again and do another hour with more things to talk about. And I guess for our listeners out there, I hope you've gained something from this conversation. Remember, uh, all episodes work this way and I hope we leave you with thoughts. thoughts which you can take back and formulate and like Handy said create life and be an architect for somebody else thank you we'll catch you real soon everybody hope that was a good listen for all of you and looking forward to having you with us in the next episode released every friday talk to me is brought to you by Nicole It's a learning experience platform that brings you AI-powered personal and contextual learning with expert curated curriculum and communities that allows any customized blended learning solutions all in one app. The team at Nicole aims to provide a tool for everyone to choose as well as accelerate their skills, growth, career, and future. So we invite you to join us. Check out nicole.app to find out more and Let's Nicole.